Ladies and gentlemen, I have a very special guest today. Oh, this is a guy I probably knew before he knew I knew him. And it's a very interesting guest. I'm glad that you're here and I wanted to have you on here. Because he's one of these people that lives in a world that you may not know even exists, let alone thrives in it. Maybe one of the heads of it. In my opinion, you might be the top dog in it. And uh, it's fascinating. And it's a totally, I believe, a world that was a niche market that has become completely mainstream. Uh I would say you're an agent. Personal appearance agent. You're a personal appearance agent. You are a collector, a serious, and you're a, you might be Randy. <laughs> yeah. A horror aficionado in real life. Yeah. Please put your gather, hands together for Sean. Well, dude, I honestly, God, I was just about to say your last name is Cunningham. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's the director of Friday the 13th. Yes, I know. (laughs) Or both Sean C's, but... I know, wait. I know your last name when I'm brain farting it. Clark! Oh, my God. You only work with me. I was about to say. No, because I have Sean Sean C here, and I was like, and it's Sean Clark, but I was like, Sean Cunningham's the director. That's so funny. No problem. Please put together, Sean Clark. Dude, thank you for coming. Seriously. My pleasure. I, I will say, though, in my case of Randy, I would have got the aliens question correct. But just saying. Can you believe that? I knew, When I saw the movie, I was like, no, that other dude's right. <laughs> so what, like, what he's referring to is in Scream 2, I realized that there was a, uh, what do they call those when you do those? Quote. No, quote? when there's a, mi- a miss, there's a problem and they call it a. Uh, well, a. Uh, you mean in when you mess it up on a movie? Yeah, they call it. There's a term. Well, it's a, it's a, a flub. A something. Know. There's a term for it. Like when they go back and look at movies. Oh, continuity error. Technically, yeah, but it's, but it's some kind of term. But you, I discovered through a fan that Scream Two had a. Do you think that was on purpose? That's a question for Kevin Williamson. Yeah. I don't know. In your Maybe. opinion? No, I think he. Well, I don't know. You think he's he's. Such a hardcore horror nerd. Maybe he maybe he did it intentionally. I don't know. I don't know. Because we didn't really... The internet was still popping. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just starting to pop off. And so we had the red lines on the script. And we didn't... You know, you couldn't research. There was no Google then. Mm-hmm. So I would have thought... The quote would have been correct, but it's a get away from her. You bitch. You bitch is the line. Is the correct line. And I say stay away from her, you bitch. And then actively correct Josh Jackson, (laughs) a.k.a. Pacey, a.k.a. I don't know what his name was in that movie. Sorry, Josh. In Scream 2. And then, so I actively make a wrong answer. Yeah. A horror. Right? There's levels to it. Yeah. I'm, I'm really curious. I mean, do you talk to Kevin anymore or have any connection? You should just get in touch with him and ask him. Say, I need to know. I saw him at the Zoom, but I didn't ask him because I didn't even know, bro. This is something that just popped recently. It just popped recently. And honestly, God, bro, I, Sean Clark, I know your name a billion times, but honestly. I know. Do you? <laughs> I know you know my name. That's what I'm sitting there going. <laughs> I don't know now, if the, the people watch that watch your podcast, <laughs> not, not only do we not know this dude, you don't even know him. I didn't. <laughs> 
Dude, but you ever have a brain fart? Oh, dude, all the time. Okay. Especially when, I mean, I used to be a journalist before I got into the agent thing. I, I, I was a journalist and there was nothing. I used to do tons of on camera and there's nothing worse than brain farting right on camera. Like in the middle of an interview. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's happened and it's embarrassing, but. Okay. So, you know, it's not personal. I did, it's not personal. I no. a billion things happening today. Yeah. Anyway, love you. Now, how I'm fascinated by you. So just, I'm going to give you a little backstory for people and then you can talk to it. So, I, okay. So let me just talk and then I'll, I really want to get your input. So I was approached, Sean Clark is a, Personal appearance agent, but for me, I consider you the king of the cons, the legit king. Okay. I was approached to do conventions, I want to say in the summer of 2012, by another group. And I was at the cafe at Comic Con at the Hard Rock. And they said, How oh, you, blah, 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 you could probably make money at conventions. And I heard about it. And the only time I ever heard about conventions was Comic Con. Mm hmm. And the only reason I heard about them was James Gunn, who I don't know if you know, he used to live I, with me. Oh no, I know, I, I, I'm James, and I know each other. I haven't seen him in a while, but yeah. Oh, I'm sure you guys could talk for hours. Oh yeah, he's a you and him are both encyclopedias. So he would go to Comic Con when it was in the '90s, like it was just comic books. Mm -hmm. Then Hollywood, I don't know when Hollywood started going. Then I went for five years because I was doing. The Cleveland show, a cartoon on uh, called Fanboy and Chum Chum on Nickelodeon, and I did Ghost Whisperer. And there were panels for all these shows. And so I was all over. So I started going to cons. His agents met me and took me. And um, But that's a different situation because you're there to promote something. You're not there to sign for yes. money or, or anything like that. It's just a I knew PR. nothing of the world. Mm-hmm. And the first guy I would see everywhere was two people. I bet you I know one of them. I bet you I know one of them. Is one of them Lou Ferrigno? No. Oh, okay. No. Do you know who I'd see everywhere? Sure. Kane Hodder and you. Shout out to Kane. Kane is the, he's the original Jason? No. He's I see the I guy who's, again. he, First portrayed him in part seven, but then did eight, nine, and ten. So he's the only guy who's played him four times. So yeah. he's kind of the, he is the king of the Jasons, if you will. Yes. And I see him. He's a sweet guy. Now you, so you are a super personal appearance agent. How did you even start? And then I'll talk about oh boy. how I met you. That's opening a can of worms, but uh, in a nutshell, the short short version is um, I had been involved in the convention world. I went to my first convention in 1988 um, as a fan. Then I started to dabble in being a vendor, uh, selling stuff, and um, became close with some celebrities, became friends. And then I put on a convention in 2003. It was the Halloween 25th anniversary convention for the Halloween franchise. And through that, I had the experience of reaching out to celebrities to book them. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how I learned that. And then um, I was working on, from that 25th convention, uh, 
birthed a documentary called Halloween 25 Years of Terror that we did with Anchor Bay. And I was one of the people that put that together. In doing that, I was looking for everybody I could connected to the Halloween franchise. And one guy we couldn't find was a guy named Tony Moran. I don't know if you know who Tony Moran is. I think I know the I definitely know the name. He was the face of Michael Myers for like three seconds when Jamie Lee Curtis pulls the mask off. That's the scene that's not Nick Castle. It, it, he was Aaron Moran's brother. He's, wow. He's from Happy Days. So I was working on a mortgage company. Uh, that's what I did. You had a real job. I had a real job. Okay. I, was, uh, I was working on a mortgage company. I was a loan officer at the time. And wow. I was on the phone with... <laughs> you were in the office? Yeah. yeah. Wearing maniac, wearing I spit on your grave too, fanny packs or something. <laughs> you know it. And um, that was cool fanny packs. Don't, <laughs> don't heckle that fanny pack. Um, and uh, one day I was on the phone with uh, like a broker and somehow he knew me like we had a little bit of a relationship and working the mortgage thing. And he knew I was a horror nerd and he said, Oh man, you know, the guy who played Michael Myers works here. And I'm like, yeah, right. And you know, like who, what's his name? If he works there, he says, Tony Moran. And I go, Holy shit. Are you serious? And he oh. goes, yeah. And I go, and at the time I had just started, uh, I had mm, two years into the journalism thing I was doing. It was just, you know, it was more of a hobby. You know, I was writing for, uh, it was called the Horror Channel at the time, which became Dread Central, branched mm-hmm. off to Dread Central. And then I went to bloodydisgusting.com for a little while. But um, so I'm working there and I, and I was thinking, well, you know, this would be cool. Nobody's ever talked to this guy. Nobody's ever found him. People were thinking he was dead. And I was like, you know what? I would love to interview him. I told the guy I do this, you know, I'd love to interview him. And he said, I'll talk to him. So he talked to him and mm-hmm. he hooked it up. I drove to his office. Um, and uh, met with him, interviewed him. And then after the interview, I said, hey, man, I said, I brought a couple posters with me. They're in my car. If you, you know, would you mind signing them? And he's like, sure. You know, so he walks with me out to my car uh-huh. and and I had two posters and an eight by 10. I remember it vividly. And he's like, wow, this is, you know, I've never signed an autograph. And I'm like, you've never signed it. He goes, no, no. I go, you never signed a Halloween thing in your life. And he's like, no, first, this is the first one. And I'm like, dude, I go, do you know how I said, honestly, bro, you would kill it at these conventions. And he's like, well, he goes, well, you know, and I explain it to him and he didn't seem that into it. He seemed like a pretty private dude. And I said, look, a buddy of mine, this guy named Eben McGar was putting on a convention in local, I think it was like in Van Nuys or something. And I said, dude, just go try it. If you don't dig it, just bail, go home, you know? Mm-hmm. So he comes out, he tries it. Within the first couple hours, he comes up to me at the show and he says, dude, this is amazing. I mean, how can I do more of these? And I said, well, I'll tell you what. I said, see that guy over there? I knew one dude that did this, like, was a booking agent for conventions. Mm-hmm. I said, see that guy over there? And that's what he does. And he goes, can you hook me up with him? I said, well, I'll go talk to him. So I walk over. You were there as a fan? I was. Or as a writer or both? I was there actually working for the Horror Channel doing on cameras all weekend yeah. with celebrities. Got it. In fact, I interviewed him that weekend. And that interview's on, you find it on YouTube from 2005. Okay. It was his first on-camera interview ever. Okay. 
And um, <clears throat> so I go over and I talk to this dude. I said, hey, Tony Moran, face of Michael Myers, blah, blah, blah. And he looks and he goes, wasn't he in the movie for like three seconds? And I go, I, yeah. I said, but dude, he's the fa- I mean, he is, it's a big deal to these fans. It's a big deal. And he goes, pass. And I go, seriously? And he goes, pass. And I go, okay, all right. So I go back over. I'm, I'm doing my thing. Oh. I see Tony. And he goes, hey, hey, did you talk to that guy? I go, yeah. And he goes, what did he say? And I told him exactly what he said. And he goes, fuck that guy. Why don't you rep me? And I go, I guess I could. And that's how it started. Completely fluke. And I, so I started thinking about it. And I was like, well, you know what? I have all these numbers of all these Halloween people that I booked into the convention and I got for the documentary. I should just start calling them and say, hey, you want to? do some more of these and you know and dude before you knew it like within a month i had 50 clients and they were all halloween people (laughs) and um wow the crazy part is um how old were you at that time i would have been 34 okay 35 and um the crazy part you said oh oh i don't know what i was going with the crazy part (laughs) oh um uh, oh damn! You, Fuck! I brain, fucked you up. Brain fart. Dude. You had was, fifty I was clients. Killing, I was killing it. I know. Uh, it was. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly what happened. Uh, oh, so I kind of took that dude aside at one point, and I was just like, you know, at, after hours at the bar, you know, at the convention, like, hey man, you know, how do you make money doing this anyway? I mean, you know, and he's like, well, you know, this and that, and they fly me in and put me up, and I'm like, what? And that's where that was the light bulb, dude. It wasn't about me doing this for money or making a career out of it. That never crossed my mind. I zeroed in on, whoa, dude, these conventions will fly me. They fly you in and give you a hotel room. They pay for your flight and hotel, and you get to go to the convention for free. (laughs) So as a horror nerd, I was just like, dude, I'm going to go to conventions for free. Because I wanted to go to more out-of-state conventions. I'd only done a couple at that point, and they were awesome. They're way better, like on the East Coast and stuff, as, as you, I'm mm-hmm. sure you know. And so that was my motivation. So I started doing it, and I couldn't believe it. I'm like, holy shit, I'm getting to go to these conventions for free. And then I started to make a little money. And I'm like, and I got some spending money at the convention. I can buy my geeky shit. So it was cool. But then I started to make good money. And it started to be, I was making more money than I was in the mortgage thing. And I started Mm. finding myself sitting at my desk at work at this mortgage company, spending all this time working on bookings for clients and not paying attention to the loan shit. And at some point I just stepped back and I said, you know what, dude, if you want to go all in on this, you've got to go all in on it because you're just wasting your time sitting here. You're wasting this mortgage company's time. You know what I mean? I mean, I was technically freelance, so I could do whatever I wanted, but I just, I I said, I got to go all in. So I went all in and things started popping. But the thing that really kicked me into gear, what really kicked me into gear, 2010, I think it was, I'd, I'd been doing it for about five years now and doing pretty well. But in 2010, a client of mine named Stacy Nelkin, who none of you guys probably know, Mm-hmm. But she was the star of Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Um, she was also in some Woody Allen movies. She's she's the other girl that was the inspiration for Annie Hall, apparently. 
Um, really? Yeah, she was. If you watch the documentary, she's brought up in it, and um, she was also the another thing that's kind of fa- famous about Stacy. She was the other replicant that got cut from. She was the pleasure bot replicant from Blade Runner that got cut. <gasps> that's her she was because the writer's strike they they couldn't finish the part or something and if you buy that blu-ray box set they have her screen test stuff you know um anyway she says to me i'm at a convention with her because of halloween three and she says to me wow you know what i think my best friend would do really good at these things and i go who's your best friend and she goes linda hamilton (laughs) and i go yeah, I, th- I think she'd do pretty well. There she blows. And she hooked me up with Linda. And I went wow. I went to the boo, to her pad at the boo. Uh-huh. And we hit it off. And then as soon as I had her on my roster, all of a sudden these comic cons that never would return my call, they're starting to call me. And it was like it opened a huge door. That was that was the first big push and then there was another one that happened a couple of years later we'll get into it a little bit wait so she lives in the boo where she lived in the boo she she's moved since i did a movie with linda and to this day she still thinks i stole her prada sunglasses it's a long story <laughs> dude there's so, she's like those look like mine i'm like then i have my own it's a long story <laughs> dude first of all my brain is so twisted for a second i thought you meant linda carter the original wonder woman i'm talking and sarah then, you connor. Went, then you went sarah connor wow which is more dude there's so much you just said in that wow so hold on so you're from cali right i was born in anchorage alaska really and i moved to southern california at age six so i've been i've been in pretty much the oc you're an oc kid yeah you were born there. Your parents is regular. Not folk. born there. No, but but grew up there. Yeah. Grew up there. Yeah. But you're like an OC head. Yeah, my dad was a mechanic, and my mom worked at car places as a service rider. Where did you like? Where did you grow up? In like Stanton. Stanton. Okay. It's like not it's by Tustin. Kind of, no, no. Stanton's kind of the hood. It's the hood of the OC. <laughs> it's not a good city. Um, but uh, but you you so but how and you've been a horror guy your whole life. Yeah, you know, my parents were into horror films because my parents were young, dude. They were 17 and 18 when they had me. So they were into that shit, and we couldn't afford babysitters and shit, so they took me. I would see, so you would be the family comes to the convention on Sunday? Probably, yeah. And you'd be the little kid? Yeah. Dude, so this is your life. Yeah, but my parents didn't stay into horror. They got out of it probably once the 80s hit, you know. But in the 70s, they were into it, you know. But as they got older, they grew out of it. Which to me is bizarre because the 80s to me has so many quintessential horror movies. But the 70s has like more like arty horror. Yeah. But the 80s has like the more pop culture horror. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, in the 80s, they would either go buy me the tickets and drop me off. Or my Aunt Robin, my dad's sister, would take me. I would beg her to take me. And she took me to some amazing movies man some of my best memories of going to the theater and seeing horror films was with my aunt robin dude you just made me think there's a podcast shout out to dueling decades which i've done and they do these things from the 70s 80s and 90s uh, different Mm -hmm. genres and the horror movie oh let me just talk about a horror movie i forget you'll probably know it it was about a guy it was a porn star who did a horror movie 
I forget. I'm going to get you the name, but something and you would know. But in the 70s, it was much more. The horror was different. It was just different. Yeah. I mean, you had those already films like Don't Look Now. Yeah. Stuff like that, you know, that, you know, I still like. But so, they had, there was definitely more of, it got more exploitation-ish in the 80s with the Friday 13th, the slasher thing. The slasher thing started in the 80s. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, dude, I have so much to ask you because it's you're fascinating and like you have like a wealth of knowledge and you're so well-spoken. And so my first thing of you now crossing paths now, you, the, the fact that you had Linda Hamilton. So Linda, I haven't seen her. Out. She hasn't done a convention in several years. It's been, was her first convention insane? Yeah, it was chiller theater. It was oh, nuts. Which is amazing. It which was, is insane. It was nuts. How hard was it to sign her? Uh, it wasn't hard. I just, I mean, the only thing that was hard was getting her to call me back. Because Stacy gave me her number and I called her. I left multiple messages and I'm calling Stacy going, this chick just doesn't you know, call me back. You know, is this, are you sure? And she's like, no, 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 that's Linda. You know, she's, she's like that. And it took about three months before she called me back. Yeah. And she invited me over. And another thing I do... I've kind of got out of it a little bit, but I was doing it for a long time up until just recently. I do produce um, bonus content for DVD and Blu-ray. And at the time I was also working on a special edition of children of the corn. So I said, Hey, you know, would you be, and she's not into doing interviews, like especially on old movies, but I talked her into it and she said, okay, we'll come over to the house. We'll do the interview. And then we'll talk about the conventions. So I went over, that was the first time I met her. If you have that Blu-ray out there, that day was the day I met her, I believe. It was was that day. And you know what's crazy? Here's a funny part of the story. So the camera guys leave. We did the interview. We had the the meeting about conventions. Went great. And we're walking out and saying goodbye to her. And she grabs me by the face and gives me a kiss on the lips. (laughs) And I'm like, holy shit. And I'm, I get in my car and I'm like, Damn. wow, she likes me. Then I come to find out she does that to everybody, including fans. She kisses fans on, she was kissing fans on the lips at conventions. That's she's just the kind of person she is. She's not a germaphobe. She has this, she told me she has a theory that if she exposes herself to everything, she won't catch anything kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It works for her, I guess. So. Do you know who she didn't kiss on the lips? Jamie Kennedy? Me. That's right. <laughs> she thinks I stole her Prada sunglasses. The whole other part. I do. When we're done, I want to see the glasses you took. I have them somewhere. And it was a, it was a, it was a sci-fi movie. It was called Bermuda Triangles. You know what? We did not have that photo on the table. I, yeah. <laughs> but so, dude, what's fascinating is, is that from you and these conventions, I've learned about the... I'm all about like where the world is going. I'm trying not to lose my train of thought, but is that, that's why I want to do these at night, but today was crazy. Is that everything is going to be segmented and quadranted and, and conventions are really a great ecosystem of that Mm -hmm. in terms of like horror, but this horror is so many, there's slasher, 
there's uh, gore, or there's psychological horror. Jalo. Yes. Um, all this stuff. Suspense, and, thriller. And then there's sci-fi fantasy. Mm-hmm. And then there's fanboy and comic. I mean, there's so many different segments within the system. And so when you, and I see the fans that are out there for things. So what was the woman's name again that was the other replicant? Oh, Stacy Nelkin. You'd and, recognize her. She's been in stuff. She was in that movie Yellowbeard with the Monty Python guys. She mm-hmm. was in uh, that movie Serial with um, Mar- Martin Mull. She was in, um, what was that movie, um, Going Crazy with Malcolm McDowell, the rock and roll movie. Um, oh, she was in that movie Up the Academy. The Up Matt, the Academy. She, she, was, was, she was the cute girl in that. She, she was, was like super hot. Yeah, yeah. And you still rep her? Yes. Yeah, in fact, I have her at a convention in a couple weeks uh, in... Pennsylvania. Wow. Yeah, Monster Mania is doing a pop-up show in Pennsylvania. She's going to be there with Tom Atkins, little Halloween 3 action. Yes, who uh, who I was in movie trick with and who is, you know, the OG from Halloween. Patrick Lussier. Yes. See, it's all boom, boom. So <laughs> yeah. you have her. Like, I find that probably the fact that she was the other replicant and that that's out there but not put out there is probably very valuable. Eh, Almost I mean, like an NFT. Your in a hardcore way. your hardcore Blade Runner fans are interested. Much like the hardcore aliens fans are interested in James Remar for being in the movie for a minute because he was replaced by Michael Bean, but technically he's in the movie because you see his back mm-hmm. in a few shots because they shot with him for a couple weeks before he got fired. He got I didn't even know that. You didn't know the story? No. Yeah, he he had he was dealing with substance abuse at the time. He's obviously totally kicked that and made a career for himself afterwards. But at the time, he was having problems, and he got fired. I think three week, two or three weeks into filming Aliens, he was Hicks, and Michael Bean replaced him. Oh fuck! I know, brutal, right? What a role to lose. He was so good. But he, you know what? He rebounded, man. I mean, Dexter and all that. I mean, yeah. You know, he's... But he's such an intense actor. He is. And a good dude. Really good. He's be, Actually, he and I have become super close. Okay. Yeah. So you... But so you have this... So the, what I see you is that I start doing this convention. I think my first one... I want to say it was Blood at the Beach, but I'm not sure. But... Uh, Blood at the beach. <laughs> <Look at> you. <laughs> that guy owes me five grand. <laughs> that guy is one of the only people that ever screwed me. He's going to put it on blast. That's right. Uh, Al. Al. Where's Al, my money? You owe him. And so. Never I, showed his face again. I've never seen him since. Wow. Yeah. So I would see, I'd be at the tables and the first few conventions I did, I liked it. I felt very appreciative it was like side money when I wasn't going out and doing comedy. Uh, it was comparable to comedy money, sometimes more, sometimes less. Um, Plus, it's a great grassroots way to connect to your fans. A bajillion percent. And it was nine years ago, and I felt like I don't have to do any radio. I just to show up. They give me my coffee. They give me my Dunkin'. I do my stuff, you know, and boom, boom, boom. And I was friendly with uh, one of my tables was Serena, Serena Vincent. Hello, Serena from uh, good friend as well. Yes. And, and her and her 
husband, Mike Estes. I don't know if they're technically married. They just had a kid. Yes. And the other girl, Sarah from I Spit on Your Grave. Don't know her. But yes, she was in the second one. Mm -hmm. And we would remake. Yeah, the remake. And we all laughed. And I think they knew the world a little bit more than me. So a couple conventions in and I was enjoying it. Mm -hmm. And I got to see the whole machinations of it. And then when you start going and you're like overused and then you're sitting there and then you see your picture on Facebook when you're scrolling because no one's at your table and they're like, look at Jamie Kennedy sitting over there. No one wants to buy looking like a chicken McNugget, you know, and it's like, and I'm like, I didn't ask for this, you know? So then a lot of shit happened and then people would start saying, oh, Jamie, you're, you know, you're fucking with the fans. I'm like, no, people get the joke, get the jokes. And that's a whole other thing. But when I was going in the beginning a lot, I would see it when I started, I thought it was Boulevard of Broken Dreams esque and super fanatics. And within the time I've gone, it obviously has blossomed into a completely humongous industry. Mm-hmm. And I put um you in this moment. So I'm in one of these ones, I want to say blood or Maybe one of my early chillers or whatever. Chillers, that's a good one, you know. Mm-hmm. A couple, so whatever, maybe it was Indianapolis, I don't know. And I'm in a back room. And the line is, I'm in the room and I'm doing okay. And I'm walking out. I'm like, is that my photo op? And then they're like, no. <laughs> that's that's uh, Walking Dead. And I think it was like 2012, 2013. And I'm like, I'm like, I remember I auditioned for that show. I don't know what role, but, and I'm like, and it was, and it was so good. I only watched the first season. I got to watch the rest. And I was like, that show, I can see it, right? How it could be this fan. And it was like, it was that. And it was like, that's Walking Dead and Sean, pa- is it Sean Patrick Flannery? Yeah. And it was for Boondocks. Boondocks. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Like Boondocks was this movie that kind of came out and it developed a humongous cult following. I'm like, okay, so it's Norman and Sean. And David DeLaRocco. Yeah. And the, the trio. Yeah. And, and yeah, it was and tripled and, and and David D, right? So and I remember that. And it was like on a fucking I want to say a, like a Saturday. The next convention, I'm like well, who's that's that line and it was down the hallway out being and I go well, who's that is that and they go that's Walking Dead mm-hmm. so now it went from Boondock people to Walking Dead the next one I go was and they go I go Walking Dead they go Norm and I go boom Norman Reedus exactly and that was that moment the legend was born and so Norman, quick backstory is like, we used to have the same agent way back in the day. He had done, I think he, when I was with APA, Katie Mason, he was there. It was me, Rose, Jimmy Duvall, and Norman Love had. Jimmy. One yeah. He's a good, good friend. He was in my movie. Which uh, one? I wrote and produced a movie called The Black Waters of Echo's Pond. That, that nobody's seen it. It's not that good. But Jimmy was Blu-ray. great. It is on Blu-ray from Anchor Bay Entertainment. And yeah, so it's like, and Norman 
you know, was I was he was like this fucking a great actor. And I remember he did Boondocks and he did a lot of great stuff. And then when he got Walking Dead, was he in the first season? Yes. He was. And obviously his character, I don't know what the deal was, if he was regular or not or whatever, or was a guest spot that just Based, blew up or what happened was he auditioned for Merle which was what Michael Rooker got the part. And they liked him so much that they decided to write a new character, oh my God. Um, which was Merle's brother, Daryl Dixon. It was Merle Dixon and Daryl Dixon. And so he was always there in the background, you know, very soft-spoken. And I honestly, that's what I think worked for the character was the fact that he didn't say much of anything because he really didn't have too many lines. But people were like, dude, that guy's interesting. And chicks were loving him. They loved his look. Dude, so, so wait, let me send, then I want to get into it. So then I'm sitting there and then I'll never forget. Like, so I started seeing that and it was like, you know, and it's not my business put out there, but I was hearing these numbers. I remember Josh Peck was telling me, he's like, you don't know, you want to hear the numbers that are going home in a paper bag? Because you guys don't know this. We get paid in literally a brown shopping bag. And I'm like, boom. So like three or four conventions, like the, the fifth convention I see Norm. I don't know what I'm allowed to say. The line was insane. There was a couple of uh, uh, gore, gorish women, you know, fangirling hard. You know, I'll I'll, I'll let you lead that. And you're in tow. You're like this way, this way, this way. And for fucking like four conventions, I see you everywhere. And anywhere there's Norm, I'm like, oh, fuck, there's Norm. And then I forget, it was like the kid from like, oh, fucking like, Freddy vs. Jason, he's hilarious. Or I'm like, they're like, fuck. Zach Ward? Maybe it was Zach. No, it wasn't Zach. It was Freddy vs. Jason. It was, it was like me and a kid from Christmas Story, and it was like, ah, oh, fuck. Yeah, Zach Ward. Oh, okay. He was in Christmas Story and Freddy vs. Jason. Oh, I, the redhead. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was him, maybe it wasn't, but Zach, I'm going to do the joke. And it, we were like, oh, fuck, all the money's going to be sucked out of the room. And, but, and then we were both like, well, maybe there'll be overflow. You know what I mean? So it became like all the money's going to be sucked out of the room to hopefully if they can't get to see Norm there. And then once I saw you, I thought you were like a punk rocker. I didn't know anything about you. Then I started asking around. They're like, that's Sean Clark. That's Sean Clark. That's Sean Clark. This is Norm's agent. And boom. And then I started seeing with everybody. And then one time I was at another signing with, uh, I want to say, um, God damn my brain. Oh God, dude. I, I'm going to have to edit this. Jackie Brown. Oh, Pamela Greer. Yeah. But I want to say that was, you Is weren't in, No. I want to say that was in London though. I don't think you were in London. I saw you there. 20, 2016. I might've been there, but I, I don't, but I, one I, I don't time, work with her. One time I was with me and Pamela and we were like, we were like, damn, this dude's everywhere. And that was you. Because mm-hmm. we were it was some convention. And that's when I first started knowing you. And once I saw once I saw the boondocks go to the walking dead, then I saw Frank Grillo, a couple of the guys from Captain America. And then when I saw Renner, one of the Avengers, in 2016 or 17, I saw him in New Orleans. And the line, it was set up. It was all corporate. And it was huge. And I go, it's, it's, it's on. Like, the convention's the biggest thing. And since that time, 
conventions to me have been beyond huge. Well, and I would consider that because they heard the underground story of the money Norman was making driving back to set with bags of cash. I can kind of tell you how it played out. Go for it. So I started working with Norman, Sean Patrick Flannery, and David Della Rocco because of Boondock Saints. Yes. Yeah, so and before that, I just want to say this I'm going to show up. Is that I'm, I'm right to say that it, it crossed a threshold where it was this underground thing. And oh, then for sure. agents would never take it seriously. For sure. And CAA then all of a sudden when they get their beaks in, but they don't know how to fucking do it. Go I'm, ahead. I'm going to tell you how that happened. Yeah. So basically, I'm working with the Boondock Saints guys. And I remember what we, year? I started working with them and. I think 2010. Okay, so it was two years before. So I like the same time I started working with Linda, pretty much. And uh, and because I think uh, Walking Dead didn't start to 2012, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember we were at a convention. I think it was a Fangoria weekend of horrors, or it was just a Creations weekend of horrors. Maybe they had cut ties with Fangoria at that point. But we were at the Burbank Airport Marriott, and... It was a ghost town. The show was a bomb. I mean, and we're sitting there at this table. I'm sitting with Norman, and there's, like, nobody. We're just kind of sitting, looking looking at the room, and um, he looks over at me and goes, Oh, hey, by the way, dude. I do a pretty good Norman, by the way. (laughs) He goes, You know, I just got this show called Walking Dead. He goes, It's, like, based on a horror comic. Might be good for these things. And I go... I, I, I'd heard of it, right? <laughs> you're, like, you're liking my Norman? I'm liking that. I'm just liking because I know the lines yeah. and the money he made. So he's sitting in the Burbank Marriott, yeah. the same one where I just went a week ago to sign some fucking knives with you, which yeah. I made a very good penny, by the way. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, agent. Yeah. Um, so he's telling me this, and I'm thinking, you know, I've heard of it. I've heard of the comic book. I said, but, and I just looked at him, I said, maybe. Frank Miller, I, no, it no. was Frank um, Darabont. No, well, Darabont did adapted the, did it. the yeah, um, adapted it from yeah. Robert Kirkman who wrote it. Yes. <clears throat> so, all of a sudden, Walking Dead happens. And I remember each show we did, and we were doing quite a few at that time. We were doing like 10 to 12 a year conventions. I mean, he was doing a lot. It's like one a month. It, pretty much yeah. uh, in the beginning, and it was like every weekend as a new, a new goal. Like holy shit, we made this much. Holy shit, we made this much, and it's like high five. This like whoa, and it 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 was getting crazy. It was getting crazy. It was like, dude, this is nuts. In twenty ten, twenty twelve. So wait, so twenty ten. When did it? So you twenty ten show comes on. It starts getting. You start starting seeing money. I want it's, it tumbleweeds for how long? It, it took about a year. A year. It took a, like season two starting, and then it started to just explode. Um, but I just remember we were both just like, holy shit, you know, this is nuts. And, you know, and what was cool was he was hooking me up with some of the other cast, too. Yeah. So, you know, he hooked me up with John Bernthal, hooked me up with Sarah Wayne Callies, um, you know, and I'm just like, this is awesome. So... Uh, I just remember it was just getting berserk. And then it started to get, it just, it started to almost get too much. Like it was fucking Beatlemania, dude. I remember we went to Japan. 
Well, I didn't see that. Dude, we went to Japan. We've, I've been Whoa. to Japan with him three times. And, dude, it is literally like those old Beatle films where they're chasing you down the street screaming. I mean, wow. it was bonkers. I saw Beatlemania in certain places, like maybe not the screaming, but like the crowds. He, he couldn't move. He had to like yeah. have security. Oh, yeah. No, it was, it was so, wow. we, we actually had to hire a security guard guy to come with us. I mean, because it started to get bad. Mm-hmm. And... um yeah, it was nuts. It was nuts. And it, and and I the money I started to make was nuts. Like I was like, "Oh, I mean, I'm like I'm feeling guilty. I'm making more money than these other guests at the show." Yeah. And I'm just the agent, dude, you know. Yeah. And it was it was nuts. And I I and I'll be honest with you, dude, I owe a huge amount amount of gratitude to Norman cuz I mean, he changed my life. He hands down changed my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a, in a big way that I never expected. Like put me on a whole nother level, and yeah, you guys are always at the hip. Yeah, I mean, th- there was a small moment there where we had a falling out, oh, okay. um, and you know, friends. Ha- I mean, dude, we we over ten years, yeah. um, but we reconciled, and you know, I was just at his house on Monday, mm-hmm. so um, yeah, last week. Mm. Today's Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, he's, he's a good dude and, uh, and I, I owe him big time, but you know, now it's like things have changed, you know? Um, you know, he absolutely doesn't need the money. You know, if he wants to do a convention now, it's, it's because he wants to connect with the fans you know, it's like, he's, it's a, it's a whole nother level. It's a whole nother level. So you can't talk money. I don't want to get into numbers no. but I would consider Norman, from what I hear, a top five earner. From forever, he was the number one until the hugest of huge jumped in the game. I guarantee you, he's made more than them just over the time. As far as in conventions, you mean? Yeah, he's because he did a lot. He's uh, probably. You think he's the top earner of all time? I think so. Wow, I think so. Right now, I think so. Yeah. And if he were to go to London Comic Con, mm-hmm. it Dude, would. I can show. I, I he do, would easily pull. If you want me to send you multiple some clips. six figures. Oh yeah, easy. But if you want me to, if you want me to send you some clips, I have some clips from the last show we did in London that are bonkers that I shot off a balcony of a sea of people just losing their minds. Like, and he was like controlling the crowd. I'll send you the clips. You can add them into this. It's they're nuts. They're nuts. Wow. I mean, it, it was insane. It's insane. But you know, the good thing is, you know, early on, we were always on the up and up with, you know, the IRS and everything. And like le- legitimately started doing everything through his accountant, everything being counted, you know, cause it was getting too crazy. You know, it was like, we need, you know, we got to make sure we're claiming all this shit. Yeah. Know, because they can come. It can come. Because if anybody's looking, they're looking at you, pal. You know? Yeah. Um, but then this is the crazy thing that happened. This is the shift when you start talking about the, the CAAs and all that stuff. So those people who forever shit on this industry. Yes. I mean, if you contacted CAA and said, oh, I want Norman Reedus for a convention. They would have been like, uh, yeah, n- he doesn't do those. Mm-hmm. And if they're like, no, he does, and be like, uh, that's a bad look that, that you don't do those. That only washed up people do those. Till they started hearing the numbers. Yeah. And when those agencies started hearing the numbers, every one of them, CAA, WME, 
all of them opened their own appearance uh, divisions, yes. personal appearance divisions. And then what did those those scumbags start doing? They started trying to poach our clients. The, we built this industry. Yes. We, you guys shit on it forever. We built it to where it's making money, and now you want to reap the benefits. Now you want to go, oh, no, no, it's cool now. You should do these. So they're going to guys like Norman and Bernthal and trying to get them to drop me and go with them, mm-hmm. you know? Even what was that one innovative? Uh, I lost one client to the to to the big agencies. One, uh, I won't say who it is. Um, but I say the agent's name. I don't know the agent. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, you know, they guilted him. They said, "Dude, you know, uh, you know." They kind of gave him a whole thing like, "You want us to work harder for you to get you better films? You know, you need to show your loyalty and go all in with us." And they guilted him. And he went with them. That fucking guy. I've never seen him at a convention since. Never seen him at a convention since. He 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 made a mistake. If he reached out, you wouldn't take him back. I wouldn't probably now because uh, about two years after that, he had a, he got me too'd big time. And I don't even know if he's working anymore. Really. Wow. I'll tell you after who. It yeah. Is, right? But that's what's cool about you in the sense that you would overlook the bullshit because you I are. Would have. Dude, I, every time I've lost, I've lost clients. I have. And I always say to them, hey, if it doesn't work out, doors always open. Because I'll tell you, this whole game is about ego. And what I do, I have to play with so many egos. And what happens is there's a point in every one of these, especially these, the smaller you know, people from the, the slasher films and stuff like that that aren't named people, you know, will go more C-level. They do the circuit. They do the circuit for a little while. Then they eventually, you know, they peter out. They've done the circuit. Those fans have come that you only have, you know, you only did that one movie, you know. Mm-hmm. Let's use Tony Moran as an example. Mm-hmm. Same thing happened with him. I worked with him for about two years. And then the offers weren't coming in. And he's like, well, why can't we go back? That show was great. Why can't we go back? And it's like, well, they don't, they don't bring the same people back every year. You know, they want to wait a couple of years, build it back up. You know, you also don't want to burn yourself out in this thing. You want to keep yourself relevant. Don't, don't blow your wad right out the gate. And he was like, ah, oh, fuck you. You're not, you're not working for me. I'm going in another direction. And he fired me. And wow. Yeah. And you the, know the beginning pin, the the keystone of yeah. your business. Yeah, and there, dude, there's a whole another story to that guy. That there's some shit that's going on currently with that guy that we can get in if we have the time. But story is he. I mean, ultimately, he made a huge mistake because then he decided to then tell everybody I was trying to sabotage his career and that I was telling shows not to book him because I was bitter. <sighs> It's like, dude, I don't care if you go make money. Go make your money, man. Every person that's ever left me, I've always said, hey, if it doesn't work out, the door's open, you know? And I would say 95% of them have come back, you know? I can't see many people leaving you, though. It happens, you know, because the problem is with the celebrity, you know, some people are realistic. Some people believe their own hype. They're like, well, you know what? You're not getting any show, any shows. You know, so the promoters, you know, you're not doing your job. Clearly, you're the problem. It's not that they don't want me. You're the problem. And that's what they have to tell themselves. Then they have to go find it out on their own. 
and they leave me and they go try on their own and they realize, oh, they didn't want me. I mean, and you know, the only way you're, you're going to get in a show like that is have a, have a guy like me who has some juice who can say, Hey, you know, take, you know, we take this guy too, please. You know, I'm bringing you so-and-so and I can get him in, you know, but I can't do that all the time, dude. You know, dude, I know. So I want to go back to Norman and I want to go back to something. So you start in 10, 2010 mm-hmm. and you're doing a convention a month. In the beginning, yeah, we were doing a lot. And I mean, it, it wasn't, cause, cause, but it wasn't, it started picking up in 2011. I, I want to say 2012 is where it really started to kick yeah, in. That's what, but what the thing was, is it was always a Boondock Saints thing. Yeah. and But it was always the three guys. Yeah. Because Sean Patrick Flannery, who I also owe a huge debt to, because Sean is the one who came to me and said, I want you to work with us. He spoke, <sighs> back then, he spoke for them. Wow. It was like, okay. you know, if I wanted to get Norman at a show, I had to talk to Sean. Okay. It was kind of that that deal. Mm-hmm. But then there was a shift happening. It was like Sean was the big honcho, mm-hmm. and then The Walking Dead happened, and it started to shift. Uh, but I always included them. All the way through our crazy wild ride, I included the Boondocks guys. So it was always like a double thing, Boondock Saints, Walking Dead, Boondocks. It was always. You know, when, did it, when did it go from... Yeah, because it was a thing of like, there was this thing of washed up and this and that. But if you go to the conventions, you know, and I know it's, it's, it's not that way, but it's, 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 I'm trying to explain it. So I'm trying not to go off track. When I started doing comedy, there was a, uh, there was a, oh God, I'm trying not to go far back. There was a boom in the Mm eighties. And then comedy became huge because they never had clubs in every city. Then TV happened. And when I started in 1990, comedy was kind of low because it was on TV. So clubs weren't as much. Then the DVD started happening in the early 2000s. And then if you you could get hot off a DVD, boom, they would come to see you. Mm -hmm. Then got saturated again with like internet clips. And then around 2014 with podcasts, Netflix, people listen to you, watch your clips, social media, they wanted to see you. So every, instead of being saturated, they couldn't get enough of you. And I feel like the conventions had a similar thing where it was like, you know, people that you don't really know. I met so many people that I was like, oh, you're so-and-so from so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And that's just their main bread and butter and they're sweet people. Yeah. You know, like um, like, like, like I said, like Kane. Kane Hodder's a great example of a Jason who is for the horror fan, fantastic guy, big burly guy, goes out to these conventions People know him as that, and that's his bread and butter. Mm-hmm. He's an OG stalwart. Was there from the beginning, once once I started. Yeah. Then, but you know he he's for the fan, and now people can go see the Avengers. I mean, Jason, that character might not be as hot as you know, let's say you know Thor, Thor yeah. but but doesn't mean he he doesn't have his own love, and and so. When I think it shifted 
but to the insider, to me, it was never like a, it was never uh, the perception on the outside was oh washed up. But to me, it was never washed up. It was hardcore fanning. Yeah, no, but I agree. And then and and it was people who didn't really understand it. And then when I go and when I would watch when I would. I would say in 2016, that's when I feel it went mainstream. I saw guys making $300,000 a weekend. Was that about right? And then all the agents were sniffing around. And and I feel that people like you, the biggest agent, the biggest managers, because they won't be agents because they're too smart for that, are the guys that worked in comedy clubs. Like the hugest agents were like literally started in comedy clubs. The hugest managers started in the music rooms. Mm-hmm. So that's how I look at you. They're fans of music. They were these guys and they become huge. And so that's what you are. You're, ba- I mean, you're an agent, but you really are a, you're Man. a manager because yeah. yeah. you were very personally involved. You know, all these people's lives, you fly to them to fucking, <clears throat> fucking, you know, Prague. I mean, in these crazy scenarios. And so you do this and then when, the, when people come in, they think they can do it. They don't know the insanity of it. No, it's and it's and it's fucking disrespectful. Uh, what we call them, fanagers. Yeah, <laughs> and they and they come in and they because they see guys like me and they think, oh, all he does is just what is he just prints up photos and then goes there and sits there and takes the money. That's easy. They don't know everything that goes into it. They don't know all the shit I do. I mean, I work my ass off. I busted my ass to get where I'm at. Absolutely, and you know, and also you have to have. The, you have to have the personality and the knowledge. I mean, you need to be able to talk to people and you need to be able to get get respect from these people. You know what I mean? You can't be mousy and be like, oh, would you t- oh, oh, you know, I can't get a coffee. Okay, thank you. You know, you need to be there and go, yo, get my fucking, my guy a coffee now. This is what he wants. Get it done, you know? And you need to have the strength to be able to, to get these people to, be behind you, you know, give them respect, but they give you respect too. You got to have the type of personality can't be walked on. You know what this business is like. Mm-hmm. You got to be somebody that has a strong personality and people will give the same mutual respect to, you know, I mean, yeah, I got the fucking hair and the tattoos and I, the horror t-shirts, but you know what? <laughs> At the end of the day, I'm a, I'm a beast of a business guy. You know, I'm about the business. You no, know? but you're a nice guy. You look yeah. like you're unapproachable, but you're a really nice guy. And I love that about me. I hear that from everybody. I thought you, you know? were like this crazy Sid Vicious dude. But, you know, I hear from all these people come up to me, and, and when they finally meet me, they're like, dude, you know, I, I don't want to tell you this, but I thought you were a fucking asshole. And I'm like, why? And they said, because you just look pissed off all the time. Like, I'll see you at conventions, and you just got this look. And I said, it's because when I'm at a convention and I'm working, I said, I'm always like surveying the room and I have like when I'm looking at and I'm looking around and I'm just you know I guess I look somewhat intimidating because I look pissed Mm -hmm. but I'm if you were to come up and say something we go hey oh what's up man you know I don't I just give off that vibe I guess which is I think works to my advantage I yeah I don't mind it yeah dude what what's crazy about it and I have a lot of questions but I'm sitting in Canada in Calgary with you and I just ended up going to a convention because you said, hey, you're going to be doing comedy there. You know, there's a convention. Why don't you oh, come yeah. over? I'm like trying to think, remember when that was. I know. Yeah. And it was me and it was CT, CT, C. Thomas, which is Pony Boy, and Henry Thomas, mm-hmm. which is Elliot from ET. And at one point, we're all just sitting there talking. And I'm like, 
there's no line. And I was like, these guys are my idols, you know, and I might be someone else's idol. And I'm like, we're just all chilling. It's, well, and I, it's fascinating how, but when, when we have a, a manic rush, there's a manic rush. Yeah. Well, that wasn't the best show. It was like a first time show. No, too. you know, and it was sweet. And it yeah. was great. I loved it. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, is that, Sometimes these people, we've made these marks on pop culture. And I don't realize, I don't think Hollywood realizes the mark they've had. Like someone that Hollywood may consider cold is an absolute beast at a convention. Yeah. And and it's just fucking fascinating. Well, to me. It, it's kind of like the story I told, I was telling you a story before about oh, my, you gotta, short, my you, short stint with Jason Patrick. You're dropping the name. You got to say this. This yeah. is, this is an interesting story. I don't, I want, I said save it for the pod. So go yeah. ahead. Well, so I forgot who hooked me up with Jason Patrick. Um, but he's an amazing actor. No, and you know, yeah, good actor. All right. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so I talked to him and I negotiated, I thought was a very um, substantial or adequate uh, guarantee for him. It never done a convention before booked him into convention. Uh, he ends up canceling booked him to a second convention. He ends up canceling. So we're going for the third here and it's all with the same promoter. Uh, it was horror hound in uh, Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Great convention. And, Anyway, he calls me up one day and he's just like, you know, I think I should get more money. And I said, look, man, um, you've canceled on these guys twice. You know, I, it's not cool to go back and renegotiate for a higher fee. You should at least do this one, you know, out to be the honorable thing to do, you know, just do the makeup. You're going to make more than that. Trust me. I know you're going to make more than that. Well, I was talking to my friend, Amy Joe something or other, who was the pink power ranger. Amy Joe uh, uh, Johnson. Okay. I Amy Joe Johnson. I know her. Don't know her. But I'd seen her at conventions because she's the pink power she's ranger. She's big. I know nothing about Power Rangers except Pink. for how popular it is. Popular. And he's all, well, she got this and this. They do and, well. And I said to him, I said, well... She's a pink power ranger. I said, <laughs> and I said, I know, you know, and he's all, well, I've been in Alamo. I've been in the rush, you know, this and that. And I, and I just go, look, bro. I said, I'm going to be honest with you. That's all awesome. Great movies. You were amazing. Lost boys. That's all anybody's going to care about. And he's just like, he did not dig that. And I just said, look, man, I said, you could be Academy Award nominated. You could be in the biggest movies in the world. But if it doesn't connect to the pop culture crowd of a convention, it don't mean shit. I said, they won't care about that stuff. Lost Boys, that's all they're going to care about. I said, Pink Power Ranger, even though it's a fucking joke to the industry, Power Rangers is a joke in Hollywood. At a convention, she's a bigger guest than you. It's like, it's Academy Award winning. Yeah. And you know what? He did not dig that, and he did not work with me. He ended up going elsewhere. That Pink Power Ranger chick hooked him up with his with her guy, who's a friend of mine. It's all good, no hard feelings, but I I keep it real. You know, I'm going to tell you the real. And he went there thinking whatever. Lost Boys. I was right. You know, does he go out to conventions? Yeah, for Lost Boys, he's done. You know, now Kiefer's doing them every once in a while too, and so. 
He basically just does Lost Boys reunions. There's no fucking Alamo reunions. There's no Rush reunions. There's <laughs> why, are you so mad? why are you so mad about I'm it? I'm not mad. I'm just saying. <laughs> fucking told you so. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, you know, it is what it is. I mean, you know, I don't have any ill will towards the guy at all. You know? It I'm sounded not, like it in that story. Nah. No, I really, there's no, I'm not bitter about it at all. It's all good, man. It's all good. Dude, it's so true. The Power Rangers are like fucking the Beatles. Dude. Jason David Frank, the green Power Ranger. Yeah. Mother, that guy is the Norman Reedus of the Power Ranger world. I mean, he goes everywhere and kills it. My I mean, first pilot I ever did was with him. And I don't know if so. My first pilot, my first pilot I ever did was with him. And uh, I saw him in Horror Hound and I said, what's up? And he, no. He was like, what's up, Jerry? He was just like. He, he didn't even know no. it. He didn't even know my first name. Yeah. Well you, well, you know, one thing that you touched on that I want to kind of explain the what I, I agree with you is, is what Hollywood doesn't understand is how the pop culture machine works at these conventions. Right now, because of the time where we are here in 2021, Scream is huge. And the reason Scream is huge is because those kids that saw it, that affected them, like I was affected by Halloween back in 1978, are now older and have money and can go meet their heroes. And there's just going to be this complete, rot it's all nostalgia, and it'll just rotate. It'll just keep going, dude. It's a machine that just keeps going. Like right now, the 90s are hot. Like 10 years ago, the 80s were the thing. You know, but those things, if they're iconic, like Halloween or Friday 13th, they'll keep going. They'll keep just like you see fucking Rico Browning is like 95 years old creature from the Black Lagoon. He's the only uni living universal monster. He's still signing at conventions and he will to the day he dies because, I mean, that's iconic. The creature from the Black Lagoon. He's the last living universal monster. How is what's he do? What do you mean? numbers oh i don't know i don't rep him so i, don't, I mean but rico he does well yeah dude the last guy i saw like that was abe vagoda but he wasn't a living monster it was a fish yeah oh deep cut right there dude fish him and god bless her soul god bless his soul cloris leachman me him and cloris leachman all on the same table i met cloris leachman at chiller she was awesome yeah, yeah. dude but what you just said was is so true. I actually don't think Scream is nostalgic. It is. I, I think it's, it's still I, current. I think it's current. It's still current because they're still making them. Yeah. But it's nostalgic too, which makes it even that more, much more of a powerhouse at a convention right now. Look, let me ask you this question. And, and like, it's, it's, I'm going to go off a little bit here and I want to see where your brain's at. And, uh -oh. and I have, I could ask, I could sit with you for six hours. So I have to figure it out. Let's keep it at five. Yeah. So, if I were to look at, let's say, I feel like 20 years is different than 20 years now. From 1978 to 1998 seems like 25 centuries as opposed to 1998. You're not getting into the shift, are you? Ish. <laughs> but so I could look at like, well, so Halloween is still very current. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't for a while. But let's take. I just feel that there's. When I saw. In the, the Exorcist. Mm -hmm. Linda Blair. Yes. Fuck, dude. I see it's my brain today. That's, I swear. I hope it's not COVID. 
when I saw Linda Blair at that age, I was fucked. I mean, I, I did, I'm not a horror guy, but I did end up watching a lot of horror movies because a, I had bad friends who would who had cable, and b the first fucking video shop was a chicken video shop, and, and Blockbuster wasn't around yet, and it was the early '80s, and the, probably the first movie was either up the Academy or Class with Rob Lowe. And Andrew McCarthy. Yes. And the first Friday the 13th. I mean, no, the first uh, Halloween. Friday versus, uh, no, Elm Street. Elm Street. I never, I saw that on tape and I, and I kept it for late fees for fucking ever. And then I had um, a Faces of Death. So I had those three. And I talk about it in this movie, The Last Blockbuster. And did you watch that? Yes, I did. It was fascinating. Look back at it. It was it was cool. I was never a blockbuster guy. I was always a mom pa shop. Guy, yeah, but I you're related get, to it. Totally. You're gonna get the niche. Yeah, but that's where I discovered like the hills have eyes and all this stuff. When I saw Linda Blair, I was probably 11 years old, the spinning head, and it's too young to watch that type of movie. When I saw her cameo, dude, I'm so dumb in in Scream Two. Is it Scream 2? Or Scream 1? She's not in 1. <laughs> I think she's in Scream 2. Okay, See, I'm glad you don't remember either. Yeah. Linda's in the Scream. Okay. She thinks she's in Scream 2. Sure, it's not 3. Seems like everybody's cameo. It could have been Scream 3. When I was, because I was talking with her, mm-hmm. it felt like it was... Oh, wait, she was the news reporter, right? Yeah, and I think it was in two. Two. Thank you. I was correct. Okay, good. So you have a little bit of dimension, too. So it was only 20-ish years since that, and I felt like it was a whole different time frame. Obviously, I'm involved, and it's different, but when I see Nev, I still feel like... I could still see her in 1996. It's because she looks so good. Yeah, she's amazing. But Skeet, Matthew, David, they I still feel that I'm in the current Scream verse. Does that make sense? Maybe because I'm yeah. in it. But I feel like when I saw something, even the 80s, I could see certain people from certain movies and I feel that that was another time ago. But I could still see people now and be like, damn, that wasn't. I feel like the 90s are still current. That's what I'm trying to say. And 23 years is not the same as it was from the 70s to the 90s. Am I crazy? Is that the shift? Or is it just because I'm involved? I think one of the elements, uh, and I was going to point this out too, that gives it that vibe is the fact when I was coming up, when we were coming up as kids in the 70s and 80s, um, as a horror fan, going to a convention in 1988, you couldn't buy a Michael Myers action figure. Mm-mm. You couldn't buy a Jason action figure. You can buy. There was no merchandising for this shit. If you saw anything, it was like, holy shit, they have a Halloween shirt. Yeah. Now it's at it's fucking Walmart. They have Halloween shirts. They're everywhere, and they're the marketing and toys and just all of the product has brought all of this to another level. And I think that that really started to kick in around the two early 2000s is when the merch started to kick in and that merch breathes a whole new life into everything so this is my theory then so did you ever see exit to the gift shop 
Yes. Okay. So do you remember the Obey sticker, Andrew the Giant, um, Andre the Giant, Andre, and, yeah. and Obey from the other movie with Roddy Piper? Mm-hmm. Uh, they live. They live. Incredible movie. Long story. You know, Shepherd Fairy. He started putting this stuff. Just Obey, and he says with with repetition, um, has a perception of power. With a perception of power, breeds um, uh, some sort of importance. Long story boring is that. That made this shit so much more relevant that I was like, who the fuck is this? Who the fuck is this? So I believe this is happening with pop culture. This is why Star Wars has never been bigger and more relevant. Mm-hmm. And this is why you're saying what I'm saying is the brand. I feel like Scream now, the brand is everywhere. Yeah, I'm seeing brands be brought back where they're kind of not dead. This is what I was trying to say earlier there's a great book called The Long Tail, and it was pop culture was given to us by, let's say, six labels. I'll try to explain it. Britney Spears comes out, sells 20 million. That's who you got because we didn't have the ability. But the Pixies still, <laughs> the Pixies still came out. Mm-hmm. But maybe you didn't discover the Pixies because the marketing wasn't behind it. But now, because the internet, be able to Spotify, the Pixies can, their catalog can be discovered and they can become as big as they were supposed to be. Yeah. So that's what I kind of feel is happening with all of this stuff. And so you agree, right? Yeah, it's happening with bands too. I see that happening, like you said, with like the Pixies. I mean, there's certain bands that could barely sell out a little tiny club now that are playing, you know, big, not stadiums or anything, but they're playing like, like the Palladium, you know? Yeah. I mean, like the Descendants is a perfect example. One of my favorite bands. They're just a little punk band that now every time they play, it's fucking packed because they have this whole new audience and merch and and just the whole new way to get the get the music to get the product you know where before you know that's a lot of where i came from in this business is from the music because i was a, in a couple bands i did a couple records and i was always the guy who was getting the merch made i was the guy who was i was basically the manager i was booking the shows I was doing all the business yeah, and that really carried over into this work, you know, cause I'm using the exact same tools, you know, calling people and selling, you know, but wait, last couple of ways. What is scream? Where does it rank for you in the Pantheon? Well, I don't know. What do you mean? Like, well, to me, it's now iconic. Mm-hmm. It's iconic for sure. So it's, it's, it's up. It's just like a Freddy or a Jason ghost face. Pinhead, Chucky, Scream is in that. For sure. For sure. I mean, is it one of my all-time favorites? Go easy, Sean. Go easy. Wow. Really? Maybe part four. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Pick the one you weren't in. Um, no, uh, no, I'm a big fan of the first film. I love the first film. And yeah. and it definitely is, it, I, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm older. So that was like the new school of horror. When that was starting, I was kind of like, what the fuck is this? You know, yeah. I liked Scream a lot when it came out. I didn't like what it bred. It bred the I Know What You Did last summer and Urban Legends. and I, It bred a different type of film I wasn't happy with. Mm-hmm. Um, but the original Scream, great film. It's It's up there for me for sure. Okay. And it's, but now to me... I'm just talking about its impact on culture. Do you think it's gone beyond a horror movie? Oh, for sure. 
It's gone even beyond a movie. It's yeah. like a movement, don't it's, you think? It's a brand. Like you said earlier, it's become a brand. Scream is, I mean, look, the new movie, they're, they're just calling it Scream. Yeah, I know. I mean, which. I, I was already in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's how big of a brand this is that they don't even care anymore. I'm just, we'll just keep putting them out, calling them Scream. <laughs> Who gives a shit? Yeah. <laughs> you know, people are going to go. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it worked for Halloween, you know, but now everybody refers to it as Halloween 2018. Yeah, you know, or like what's well, crazy because Halloween's done it twice. They had Rob Zombie's Halloween, which is now referred to as either Rob Zombie's Halloween or Halloween twenty or two two thousand seven. And now there's Halloween twenty eighteen. So you know when the next when this trilogy ends because they're doing Halloween Kills this year. Next year's supposed to be Halloween ends. If they start over again, will it just be Halloween again? Who knows? They'll keep doing it. I don't know how. You know, that's the one franchise that has rebooted itself so many times. It's incredible. crazy. It's incredible. Yeah. Now, here, you're the agent. I'm the client. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to, you can be blunt with me and then I'm going to ask you about myself. Okay. What have you heard about me before you started working with me? And then I'm going to ask you another question. I had heard... I had heard different things. I had heard that you were never at your table. That was one thing that I heard. It's like, oh, dude, that dude's never at his table, though. You're going to have a hard time keeping him at his table. <laughs> like, like <laughs> that you would, that you would, as soon as your line ended, you'd bail out. And you did a little bit, our first show. And yep. I was like, bro, I kind of reeled you in and said, you know, you kind of need it. You know? Yeah. And, and, you know, we've kind of, you know, we, we fixed that, I think. Yeah. Um, but then I did hear like people talking shit that like, oh, dude, he fucking shows up drunk and stuff like that. But I, I, I and it's funny. I've heard I actually talked to somebody the other day. I don't remember who I was talking to. And I brought you up and they made a comment about something about that. And I said, you know what, dude? I said, the thing with Jamie is unless you know him, if you don't know him, you might think he's drunk because mm-hmm. it's the way you carry yourself. It's your you have this, yes. your personality is very stony, if you will. Yes. But you're not that guy. No. Um, and I think people, they meet you and you're so kind of weird. And you're, you're, you're saying, and you say, well, well, you know, and you're I'm not really that weird. <laughs> you do it a little bit. Uh, that, that people go, that dude must be fucked up. You know? The thing is, it's such bullshit what people say. I mean, I've never been drunk at a convention ever. People make that shit up. They project their bullshit on you. Mm-hmm. They're out there, uh, you know, hardcore nerds, cool people that are fans, GHs, which I won't even say, gore, gore. You know what that term is. Mm-hmm. Explain the term. Explain the term. Gore whore. Gore whore. That's just the whore. I mean, it's not a, uh, it's not a bad word. It's, no, it's, it's not, but they but won't understand. A lot of hardcore horror female fans like to refer themselves as that even rob zombie had a song called gore whore yeah that, that, i mean it's which is about that type of thing so and people fucking party at these things which i've never gotten i've hung out with people but i've never done i'm not crazy like that i thing is my number one thing is i'm not a morning person oh god i'm with you and i fucking hate that stupid 10 a.m get there like the oh. convention should be from noon to midnight and it's people are freaks, so they should be. So I hate the morning. Dude, I don't know who came up with that time schedule that has stuck 
It's the worst. The table thing, I agree with, and I was very attentive at the beginning of my career, but then I started feeling like an old fish fillet sandwich, and people started being rude to me, and people would come up and just start chatting me the fuck up forever, and like a free fucking wind-up toy. It's like, yo, girl, people are paying. It's like, I'll answer one question, not 55. Then when you put your foot in the second sand, you're a piece of shit. So this is why I want to explain to you on the client's side why I may not like conventions. Do you want to know why? Yeah. I, I, I don't want to expand on what you just said there because... <laughs> because actors, comedians, musicians, we're all pretty much misunderstood. Okay? Mm-hmm. We're much smarter than people think and we size up the situations very quickly because we're dealing with people all the time in our faces. Whether, you know, obviously not everyone's going to have the Beatlemania of norm, but we all have a version of that. Whether it's two people coming at the Starbucks quoting your movie or asking for something. Yeah. And we're used to it for 20 years. So you size people up. You can see who's talking about you. see all this stuff. And the normal person, you're the closest person that will get it because you're next to it. And it kind of happens to you now because people know you as the guy that reps all these people. And also that you're a cinephile. So you get this rep. So when I'm like, hey, what's up? I'm trying to like... That's my off-putting. I could be like, hey, how are you? What's up? But people, it, it, they'll just talk my fucking face off. That's number one. People will talk my fucking face off. And it's not the fan. Do you know who will talk your fucking face off? The reps. Let's go deeper. The local reps. So you are the big Hollywood rep. And then you've got these other people from towns who get these lists that I had. And they were the local reps, but became big and they get it. But it's the people they hire in the city. And then this person will talk to the other person trying to impress themselves when trying to say, hey, I know this person. And we're talking here. And I know so-and-so from Texas Chainsaw 6 and that the guy who lost his eye. And, and they'll talk. And it's like, dude, I know what you're doing. Do me a favor. Just give me five seconds to relax. You're trying to impress this chick. It's all fucking day. We all see it. And it's like when we say anything or we slip away, that's why we slip away from the table to get a break. When we do that, we're assholes. We're difficult. When we slip tired because we're fucking signing all day, we're fucking drug addicts. I mean, so this is the bullshit. I want to tell your side of it because you're cool. There's the reason I don't like conventions. It's not... The fans, it's the miss, it's it's the way people talk about the talent sometimes, and it's like, it's like I don't need the money that bad. It's yeah. like I love to go. I love to. I'm as respectful as I can. Have there been times I fucked with the fans and have some people misinterpreted? Yes, Germany. That's a whole other fucking story. But uh, and uh, fucking um, James, James. Oh God damn it! He's in my Roe Ro v. Wade movie with me. He's a fucking legend. He protected me in Germany. I have to give him a shout. I can forget it. Oh, what, what else is he in? Give me anything else. He was in American Me. He's the white dude. Oh, uh, William Forsythe. Yeah, Billy Forsythe fucking protected me in Germany. It was funny. Uh, but long story short, is was he wearing sweat shorts and flip flops? <laughs> he was. I think he was wearing a suit. He was just like, he's like, Jamie, don't make me get up and I have to fuck the money up. Jesus, apologize to these people. It was fucking brilliant. He's awesome. He's I love, I love a him. legend. It was in that church, and yeah. so long story short, is that it's that people we get tired. You know, I get tired and I can't imagine with other people higher than me get tired, meaning like more demand. So like I, I used to have this agent and they're sweet people and 
I'm not here to do, you know, go through this, but the simplest shit. You know when we would go out to dinner all day after a huge signing? I think I would find the reservation half the time and I would I would pay. Do you know that's like a felony in Hollywood? Do you know that? Like you never let your fucking client pay for dinner. And I would do that often. And I was just like, they didn't understand the little nooks and crannies of shit. And that's the shit that gets annoying in the convention business. But that happens in any business where the where it's a little... Obviously, when you're in the best studio movie, your needs are different. And when you're in an independent, sometimes it's a little harder. So I consider it. But the conventions now have like studio conventions and they have like more independent ones. So... There are times where artists are very difficult, but there's also times where artists get a bad rap. I agree. I absolutely agree. Now go ahead. And there's nothing worse than those there's those fans you're talking about that that come to the conventions. Dude, there there's certain ones that I know who they fucking are. As soon as I see them walking up at the table, I'll go take a break, take a break, take a break. Like what, you know, like cuz cuz this motherfucker is going to walk up to you. He's going to talk to you for 20 minutes. He ain't going to buy a goddamn thing. <laughs> And they're call know, those drive-bys. Yeah. Oh, dude, the looky loose, dude. I'm going to tell you right now. The one thing a celebrity at a convention does not want to hear come out of your mouth is, oh, I just wanted to say hi. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kiss of death. <laughs> but the worst part about that, the, the worst part about that is they t- never just say hi. Oh, Ever. They follow it up with a conversation. And what was it like when you did something yeah. 23 years ago on this particular day in that moment? What happened? Or when they. Yeah, dude, that's so goddamn true. I just want to say hi. <laughs> Wait, and the other one is the people that will come up with the kid. Oh, and they use their kid. They try to use the kid and guilt you, and they were like, "Well, I just, I didn't. My kid wanted to say hi." So then you feel bad, so then you talk to the kid, but it's really the the mom who and, is like using the kid oh, to talk to you. And then they you. and then they get the kid to go, "I want an autograph." Yeah, and they'll yes. be like, "Oh, but you, we oh, we can't afford it, baby. We can't afford it. Uh, oh, Mister Kennedy's real busy. We we can't afford yes. the autograph. I know you want one, sweetie, and they're waiting. Come on, be yes. the nice guy, Jamie. Yes. Come on, jump in here. I'm waiting. Yes, exactly. Dude, they know what they're doing. It's yes. a, dude. There's one woman that used to come to fucking conventions all the time. You know who the fuck you are. I've called her out multiple times, and she would come up with her kid, and her kid clearly was uncomfortable doing it." And it got to the point where the kid finally, at one show, finally was like, I, I said to me, dude, it's my mom, all right? I don't want, you know, I caught him out in the hallway and I asked him and he's like, and he was, you know, because he was getting older. I mean, because he was lit. Dude, she pulled this shit for like six years and she was coming to meet Norman all the time. Oh, and they would do this other thing. Here's another move. Grifters. Yeah, yeah to- total grifters, dude. The other move is they would bring a gift. It was like, oh, oh we, yeah. we can't afford to buy anything, but we, we brought you this this it's can a, this chocolate. Yeah. We do it. And it's like, and they're like, for that looking home. down at the table. Like, yeah. And it's like, oh. the other move, this is another one that I used to shut down at the fucking Norman table constantly. Because I had it worked out of system. Because, you know, when you're dealing with the dude that big, you're, you're dealing with the mass flow people, right? 
Mm, I've seen it. So I'm the guy they come to first, and I'm dealing with the money. Like, what can I get you? And they say, oh, you know, I want to get two autographs, and but whatever, you know, right? Then I move them down to the next person who's in between me and Norman, and they're the ones I tell them what it is so they know. And so they're locked in, so when they get up to him, they're not trying to sneak shit in. Because there's a couple moves. One of the one move is they put one thing on top of another and they slide it to to yeah. The, you don't know. And they just go. And they do, so that's one. So we always we look at that. The other freebie. one is the freebie. They try to. The other one is um, I see a person walk up and they're holding three things. What can I get you? Oh, just get one autograph. Which one are you getting signed? Oh, I'm gonna ask him which one he wants to do. It's like I go no. Which one are you going to get? So, well, I want to. No, you're not. Pick one, and I'm going to hold the other two until you're done. Yeah, I take it. I take it from them. dude. I know your game. Yeah, and, and you know you could say, oh, you're a dick for doing that. You know, just let them slide. It's not fair to every other motherfucker who's paying full price. It's not fair. Yes, you know, and it's a scam. And most of the time, those fuckers are going to go on eBay and sell it anyway. Yes. You know? Wait, am I right about some of the local bookers though? How they hang by the table and talk in front of you. Wait, do you mean the promoters yeah. or the other agents? No, I don't know who the fuck it is, but just people like the local promoters, like assistants that will talk. And yeah. Try to well, and then you're in that conversation. Well, it's it. bad. It's a bad, even with the assistants. I mean, I, as much as I love her to death, some, some of the greatest assistants took care of me, especially yeah. in certain cities. I appreciate that. Yeah, you mean like the volunteers, yeah. the show volunteers. Yeah. Oh, those are the ones of the worst. Cause I they're working for wanna, free. I don't want to say that. man. Well, they're working for free. Yeah. And so you feel obligated to give them something you know yeah but if they're the ones working by your table and they're there all day they're gonna want to chat it up yeah but i was no walking by what do you mean one volunteer will be a fan yeah and they'll your volunteer will be at your table so i'll take the picture i'll sign whatever but then that volunteer will talk and come over and start yapping 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 Uh, with the other volunteer friend in front and it's like oh god there's a lot of just stuff that they just want me to hear and i really don't need to hear and that's when i go leave the table and i'm difficult because it's like they're trying to like put it out there does that make sense no no i got what you're saying yeah what i was gonna say about the i had i had an assistant that worked for me um and i had to let her go and i felt terrible because she's the sweetest woman on the planet you never got to meet her she was a little before we started working together she was the sweetest but she couldn't stop talking and every every dude it was the most awkward conversation ever after a weekend of she sitting with ex-client they would be like hey um you know she's so nice if i want to i want to say i'm not complaining sean i don't want to get her in trouble she's the best but dude I can't, you don't, please don't put her with me again. <laughs> I mean, cause she would just talk and talk and talk and talk. Yeah. And I had, I talked to her about it and she couldn't help it, man. And I had to, I said, I love you, but we can't do this no more. I'm sorry. How'd she take it? She cried. I felt terrible, but she's still a friend and you know, I feel terrible. She was, she's so sweet, such a sweet person, but my job is, I work for you guys. You know, I got to keep you happy. I can't have every time I put her with somebody, them coming to me going, dude, my, my brain is about to melt out of my head. You know, this chick. Yeah. And she, and to top it off, she's from like, um, Wisconsin. 
and she she's got that she's got that accent. So all weekend you're listening to that you know, that accent, you know, and you're just <laughs> now you just put her on blast. <laughs> well, if she sees this, she knows I'm talking about her. I love her to die. I love you. You know I do, but. You know, she's got, I mean, it's so just. So it's like, what was the time that uh, <laughs> when you got killed by Ghostface, dear? Like <laughs> totally, that. Dude, totally. Oh. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that time in that that, that Malibu movie. The Malibu. Oh, oh, yeah. oh I like that one. That was a good one. You know, my grandma loved that movie. You know what? We should call her right now. Let's get her on the phone. She Just say hi to her. She's oh, so sweet. Yeah, that she's, type. yeah, that's bad. It's bad. People do that. They'll have the phone and you'll be sitting at your oh. table and they'll go, hey, what are you doing? I go, my friend, wanna say hi. What? <laughs> There's the boundaries. You have to admit, people are boundaryless at conventions. I will say this though. You have to admit though, the whole COVID thing has created a whole new. Oh, dude, convention floors were but, fucking filled with Rona before we even had the virus. Yeah, but that's ground zero. But I'm just saying, the COVID thing. You now got an excuse. Oh, dude, I I would do. I can't take your. I would. Oh, uh, fuck yeah. Co- I'm sorry, COVID. That's going to be the new excuse I want to be everything. in a fucking box. Yeah. yeah. I want to be in a box. That's it. I would love to take a picture with you, you extremely sweaty individual, but COVID, sorry. sorry. Yeah. COVID. You know what? It's going to be the new excuse. I everything. do love it. I know. And I love it. And I love the people. It's just, there's going to be times where you're having an off day. And that's yeah. okay. And I find the best fans almost are on this Fridays and Sundays because they're the people that really come after work and want to get it in or the people that take a super day off. Saturdays is like almost an experience. I'm not saying it's not the best day, but the hardcore people, I've had some crazy fans on Sunday and I feel like those are like the people that really Dude. can get something. I know they're also looking for a deal. Yeah, the one just this just popped in my head. I just had a huh. dude. I've had the worst experience, and I love, I love the East Coast, mm-hmm. and I. But the rudest fans I've ever dealt with <laughs> in New Jersey, New Jersey. I mean, I, I've got tons of friends in New Jersey. I love a lot of New Jersey people, yeah, but, yeah. but dude, the people around. I've gotten some bad ones, dude. And there would be guy, and the worst is like they come up to me, like I told you how I have it with Norman, like. They come up and I'd say, "What can I get you?" And they would fucking ignore me, and because they they're not going to buy nothing, they have no intention of buying anything. They don't want to get kicked out of line, yeah. so they're just like, "I'm just going to pretend you're not there." And I'm like, "Excuse me, what can I get you?" And they're like, "Hey, check it out." And they're like, they're, they're like with the kid, check it. Hey, check out this. It's it's fucking Daryl. Check out Daryl. How great is that? Is this fucking? Is, can I get you something? Check out Daryl. Oh, we're talking to Daryl. Hey, Daryl. There, you know, and they're just fucking calling him Daryl and shit. And those are the that's hardcore. I dude, I know. And you're talking about you like you're a fucking alpaca. Yeah, and like you don't exist. Like I'm a fucking ghost. Like I'm sitting there, and they're just like, "Oh, can you take a picture with my kid?" You take. We're not doing pictures at the table. We're gonna take a picture with my kid. Fucking Daryl, take a picture with my kid. Come on, you take a picture. Come on, Daryl. You're not gonna fucking disappoint the kid. Come on, Daryl. You know, and they're trying to guilt Norman. And I mean, and I'm sitting there, and I and I'm literally about to get in a verbal fight with this fucking guy. That shit happens all the time in New Jersey. Can't wait to get back there. <laughs> dude, there's nothing worse when people are talking about you in front of you. Yeah. Acting like you can't hear them. Oh, dude. That was, it's like when we would go out and they would just scream, Daryl, Daryl. And it's like, 
dude, he's got a name, bro. He isn't going to react to his character name. You know, you're not going, when people call him Randy, you're not going, yeah, you know, I mean, it's like, (laughs) if you're a big enough fan, at least know his fucking name. Yeah. But you know, in the beginning I used, I remember dude, when I used to go to restaurants, we'd go out afterwards, you know, after the show and we'd be sitting in a Ruth Chris steakhouse or something. Oh, that's a good, that's a good one. Who paid? Love it. Uh, Oh, who, who paid? Um, I don't mind paying, but they would never reach. No. Or everyone played for themselves. We, we, I, I, you know, I will say Norman's bought me lots of meals. There's um, nothing wrong with it. No. But anyway, I don't remember. <laughs> but I would see somebody in the room, like at another table, like do one of these. And they would, it's like, and I'd go, hey, Norm. Like oh, the guy over there recognizes you. And I used to think it was fun. It was kind of neat. Like, hey, that guy recognized. It was cool. But then it was turned like everybody. And it was like, then everybody. Then it's like this. Everywhere you go. I mean, yeah. fucking cameras on you everywhere. And it just got, I mean. You had to go to private rooms. Dude, we had to do private. But the thing is, dude, it got to the point and it sucked. And this is kind of a bummer because I think our friendship, our actual friendship suffered because of this. It got to the point where it wasn't fun to go out anymore. It wasn't fun. I mean, it was like, you know what? Let's go hide in our, you know, he, he, the convention went over. He'd go to his room. He was just like over it because you can't go anywhere. Dude, if I get annoyed, I can't imagine what he goes through. Dude, I'm the last time I think we legit went out like was there was a UFC fight I remember and Flannery was with us and he's a big UFC guy and he's like a fucking fifth degree black belt Brazilian jujitsu guy he, I don't know if you knew that about him he is I think I heard that yeah yeah so we go to this we find the only bar in Chicago that's having the fight and we get them to give us a table like we called ahead hey this is who's coming blah 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 they hooked it up and we get in there dude and it was just like drunk ufc fans that will not leave us alone like and everybody's got a camera on him and, no security huh Dude, you yeah. can't, you it's a packed bar man people yeah. are drinking fights are on and it was just like he got so frustrated he said i'm leaving and he, he got got an uber and bailed and it was just but it was such a bummer because i'm trying to enjoy the fight but i can't help but notice him fucking like wanting to duck out every camera that's come. And I felt, dude, I mean, I'll legit feel bad for the dude. Like I felt like this sucks, man. This is, you know, this is, I wouldn't want this kind of fame. I wouldn't, you know, it's, it's, there's a whole level to it that the fans don't understand, you know, what it's like to be in a fucking fishbowl 24 seven, you know, and when you're that high profile, dude, you're on every fucking magazine cover at that time. Every, you know, and, and to their defense, this is probably the only time they're ever going to see this dude. And oh my God, you know, but yeah, it's, it's the price you pay for the fame, unfortunately, you know? Yeah. People don't really understand that maybe Norman just wants to relax. Yeah. And here in LA, it's different. People leave you alone, you know, to an extent. Pretty chill. But you go to middle of fucking some small town everybody's losing their mind you know yeah. it's like they just saw jesus walk on water or some shit they're just like you know especially with a character like that yeah it just resonated so much yeah um, the bummer side side question mm-hmm. the most i ever heard and you don't have to tell me 
from any convention was a half a million one day private jet in and out. I've, I think I know who you're talking about. Um, of someone, a, a huge, a huge person that would wear some sort of superhero suit. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I heard that too. Um, that's the most I ever heard. And yeah. that's only recent. That's yeah. when they, they went full nuts. This, yeah. But this that, but that person has only done a very small handful of shows. Yeah. yeah I heard that. So, um, but yeah, no, you know, dude, there's, I mean, you have never heard anything more than that. I've I never mean, heard. you can just look at, look at a guy like Stallone. I think was charging 500 bucks an autograph, which I think is under, he's under charging. You told me, mm-hmm. no, it was you or the other guy, the most expensive autograph I've ever heard of. So let the viewers know, and then we'll wrap it up. Done. You told me last week, or was it the other guy? Was it uh, Tom Brady? Tom Brady. Yeah. Sports guys are on another level. Tom Brady was at, 1800 for an autograph. But then there was tears if you wanted a helmet or a jersey. 2500 on a piece of memorabilia. Yeah. That's incredible. He is the GOAT. Yeah, I mean, I mean if that's that's incredible. Considering that LeBron James's rookie card sold today for $5.3 million. Unsigned. Wow. Unsigned. Wow. Unsigned. Today? today. Wow. So... Well, think about, but Stallone is five hundred, and I think that's actually a bargain for, yeah. for me. But that's because I value him very high up. Well, you know, people complain about the prices. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I've I've heard people say, you know, because Norman was charging a hundred, I think, an autograph, and people would be that's, like, you know, blah blah blah. I remember they'll be like, I remember when he was twenty dollars, and I'd be like, yeah, I, re- I also remember when he wasn't famous. You know, it's like. You yeah. know, I remember when gas was 75 cents. Yeah. You know, that that's an irrelevant argument, you know. Um, it's things have changed and, you know, people complain about the prices. But what I always say to them when they bitch and complain and piss and moan, I go, look, food, water, shelter, clothing, you need these things. These are things you need. Autographs, you don't need. You want, you know. If you don't want to pay it, nobody's got a gun to your head. You don't need it. You're not going to die if you don't get it. It's a luxury. It's like buying front row tickets at a concert. If you want to pay the money to be up front, you pay the money. It's not my fault. It's expensive. You know? Where do I sign? You just reversed me. You just, <laughs> I see what you did right there. You did a fucking reverse mind fuck. <laughs> Dude, am I starting to look blurry? <laughs> the blurry. shift just happened. <laughs> do you know... Dude, I could talk to you all day, man. But I gotta fucking go to my. I next thing, dude, you're incredible, bro. I really want to drill down on some s- stories for the I'm, next one. Hey, if people are into it, let's. They're let's, gonna I'll love this. Back. You've got me excited because you're such a specialty, fascinating world, and you know you're also my agent, and I, I really enjoy working with you. Thank you. And uh, and I, d- I just scratched the surface. I know I you gave you a taste. You really did. You guys just got the tip. So tell everybody where your socials are. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook. But you're not Sean Clark on Instagram. No, it's Malfunction. Yeah, Malfunction. So it's basically Malfunction. Yeah. Instead of T-I-O-N, it's S-E-A-N. Mm-hmm. Malfunction. That came out from a band. I used to be in a band called Malfunction. And that's where that kind of came from. It's 
it's kind of a joke because our guitar player's name was Al, yeah. and we always called him Al Function. Yeah. So I, as a joke, I said, well, if you're Al Function, I'm Al Function. And it kind of stuck because yeah. it was a name nobody had. It's easy on the socials. So Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, at Malfunction. And um, also, I have a podcast, too. Yeah, let's if talk you, about that. If you guys are into horror nerd shit, me and uh, my co-host, Christopher Nelson, who's Academy Award-winning special effects makeup artist, uh, we do a show called The Thing with Two Heads. It's on YouTube. And uh, the YouTube channel's Malfunction. It's, it's starting to blow up, too. It just started. So yeah, we, and I'm probably going to be on one soon. You're, you're going to be on there? Yeah, we, we it's it's starting to gain some momentum. We, we did it because we were bored during the pandemic. You know, yeah. I think I think there's probably been two billion podcasts that have come out <laughs> yeah. of the pandemic. I know, but, right? <laughs> but but you know what? It's all good. It's it's been fun, man. And you know, it's 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 a uh, let's face it, man. It it kind of got my dinosaur ass into gear to kind of get into the YouTube thing because it's funny. I started doing these location videos. I host this thing called Horrors Hallowed Grounds. I've been doing since two thousand five. That yeah. And it's basically me going to these filming locations and it's been super popular. It's was always a bonus feature on a Blu-ray or DVD of the movie. And I just kind of ignored YouTube. Like, uh, you know, I'm going to get like a series. Somebody's going to travel channel is going to hit me up and I'm going to get a series. I'm not going to put it on YouTube. Well, then I finally, I'm a tail between my legs and well, fuck, I'm just going to put the shit on YouTube. I see all these other dudes that started copying my shit. Not that they're copying me, but doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. And they started like five years later than me. And they're fucking making a living off it now. They have like a million subscribers and I'm just like sitting there going, you know, fuck. Yeah, but since you're such the OG and such the legitimate person, you can catch up pretty quickly yeah you know a lot of those dudes are my friends and yeah. and they like tell me they watched my shit and this and that and it's you know it it's all good dude it's i didn't invent the fucking wheel you know i'm just rolling like everybody else yeah but but it's just you know that's also on there on my channel at malfunction horizontal grounds thing with two heads there's some you know some some softcore porn i did early stuff i'm not proud of it but i put it on there for the peeps 80s 80s it was a different time it was a different time. Dude, thank you, bro. We're yeah. going to do this again because you're just like, this is just scratch the surface. I, I got some stories you. about that guy right there. Oh, yeah. Miguel Nunez. Oh, <laughs> that's my buddy. I can't wait to hear that. <laughs> thank you, Sean. All right, brother. <laughs>